Let's look at 1 John and chapter number two is where we're going to pick back up our study here in 1 John chapter number two. Uh, God willing, next Wednesday night, I'm excited that we have Brother uh, Fernando Padilla, missionary to Germany, his wife Amy, and they're traveling and reporting to churches. So we get to have them here and uh, hear what God's doing in Germany. And then also he's going to preach. So I'm looking forward uh, to that for sure. He's a real blessing. All right, First uh, John and chapter number two, and so we'll we'll begin in verse one. I uh, would reference verse number five of chapter one. The more that I'm getting deeper in the book and studying it out and and considering all things, the more I'm seeing that this is a very pivotal and very important verse. When he says, "This then is the message which we've heard of him, of Jesus, and declaring to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." and if we're going to have fellowship with God, then we got to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another. Okay, so let's begin in verse number one now, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then we considered last week, verses 3 through 6. And hereby uh, do we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. Hereby do we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God, what? Perfected, it matures, it grows, love of God. And we talked about how that, that would be our love for God rather than God's love being perfected towards us. His love can't be any more perfect or complete, but ours needs to grow. So as we obey him and our love for God is perfected. It says here in verse number five, also hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked, even as the Lord Jesus Christ walked. All right, now verse seven. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. All right, so you wait, wait, wait a minute. Which is it? Old commandment or new commandment? Yes. Amen. It's right there. Yes. He says, I'm not writing a new old, com I'm not writing a new commandment to you. Then verse eight, he says, I am writing a new commandment to you. So we need to figure that out, right? Or let the Lord help us, right? A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is, watch this, which thing is true in him and in you. Well, that's a blessing. You don't even know exactly what he's talking about yet, but he says it's true in him and it's true in you. Do you love it when somebody's leading up, building up to something they hadn't even told you what it is yet like I'm doing right now? But he knows what he's going to say. And he says, it's true in him and it's true in you. Because, verse 8 still, because the darkness is what? 
past. The darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that saith, here's another claim. He that saith he is, he is uh, in the light and hateth his brother. So evidently that was going on or, or John wouldn't be dealing with it. Have you, have you seen? John's not bringing stuff up just to, deal, just to, just to fill in space. He's dealing with some real issues. And so evidently they were saying, well, we walk in the light, but I don't like John. I don't like, I don't like that church and the churches that are there in Asia Minor. I don't, I don't agree with them. And they set themselves up in a hostile way towards them. John says, he that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Verse number 10. Notice this, please. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. We'll read that again. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is no none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. All right. So on one hand, you have people that are saying, um, I walk in the light, but they hate their brethren. John says they're in darkness. But if you walk, if, if you love your brother, then you're walking in the light. Very simple. All right, so our series is entitled Love God's Way. So the, now, now we're at the section that deals with loving God's way. In fact, there's three key passages. This is one. There's going to be another one in, in chapter number three, and there's another one in chapter number four. So if you don't like love, then uh, you're not going to like the rest of First John. Because <laughs> he's dealing with it. He's dealing with it head on. So the title of tonight's message, this is sermon number six, message number six. And here's the title, the greater the hate, the greater the need for light. The greater the hate, the greater the need for, you might, you might have thought, man, he said it wrong. The greater the hate, the greater the need for love. Yes, but, but really it's saying it this way. The greater the hate, the greater the need for light. Did you think about that with me here for just a few minutes? Maybe you had a long day. Maybe you're hungry or hangry. When hunger meets anger, it's rough stuff. But I think we all need this right here. Because, uh, you know, we're, we're living in a culture that is um, magnifying the hate that's in our culture and trying to offer all kinds of solutions. But the greater the hate, the greater the need for light. Let's think about that. Let's think about that. I'd like to pray one more time just for God's help and, and then we'll get right into it. So, Father, um, it's so relevant to our time and in so many ways the application can be made. But we're going to need to really dig into it and I pray for your help to get there. I pray for your help to just uh, drill down, dig down to what you're saying. 
Uh, God, help us to give good attention to the word. Help me, Lord, in the delivery. We'll, we'll sure benefit from it if we can just understand what you're saying. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Mancaye was born in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. He was born in a tribe that uh, many of you maybe know as the Alka Indians, Udani. Uh, you'll see both of those names, but they're one of the most dangerous tribes known to man. Um, historically, people that came during the 16th century, 17th century in search of gold or other materials were killed. And, and so, but there were five young men that deeply cared and loved these uh, Alka Indians. Savages, we'd say, really from the Stone Age. They didn't wear clothing and they were brutal, killing, being killed. And it was just really a way of life, blood, blood vengeance, and, and just it was nonstop. It was truly just a way of life. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, Ed McCauley um, began to make contact with these Indian people dwelling there in Ecuador, and they did so by plane. Nate Saint was ingenious um, in developing a system where they could drop gifts down to, uh, to the Alka Indians, and he flew in a circle and so allowed a bucket to go down, and by the centrifugal force there and by the, the way that it would work, the bucket would come down, and the, the uh, Alkas began to actually receive some of the gifts that they gave and actually began to put gifts into that, that bucket, and then the plane would go back up. And so they did this for several weeks and months, trying to establish contact, and finally they, they built... Um, a tree house there on what they called Palm Beach and made contact with, with the Alcas and, and uh, two women appeared and then a man appeared that they called George. It wasn't his real name. But they even got uh, the opportunity to take George up in the plane and he flew around and saw his village down, the, down, down below. And, and so everything seemed to be going well. They learned phrases like biti miti puni mupa, which means uh, I like you, I want to be your friend. Memorize that as a teenager. <laughs> it's kind of stuck with me. Bitty mitty puni mupa. How's that? Anyways, used to say it to Angie all the time. <laughs> but in 1956, tragedy struck in January when, as they made, had made contact, a series of events uh, turned out in such a way that the Alcas turned on them. And one of the head spearmen was a man named Minkaye. His name means wasp. And he, along with others, uh, speared those five missionaries to death. And, and, uh, and really, their death inspired a whole nation of believers that mobilized, and many began to surrender and give in their lives. But what's astounding about the, the story of Jim Elliott and others through Gates of Splendor, uh, the Kinsman, my, or Savage, My Kinsman, and others, uh, books that are out there like that is is that Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, and Rachel Saint, Nate Saint's sister, actually went to live among the people that killed their husband or killed their brother, took little Valerie in, and eventually Steve Saint went in, and, and they began to establish a friendship and, and help them and opened up 
God's word to them, began to teach. Can you imagine the process of, of these people that have lived so many years, generation after generation after generation in, in darkness, but then as, as Menkaye, after he was saved, later talked about God's carvings, talking about the Bible, God's writings, God's carvings, showed him a brand new way of life. Uh, in fact, here's how he said it. He said, we treated each other badly. We treated them badly until we found in God's carvings, God's trail. God's trail, God's path, God's way. And thus they began to love one another and saw others say, what an impact, what a powerful impact that the light of the gospel had on people that were dwelling in darkness. I'll be honest, I hesitated even sharing that, that story of redemption. I mean, really, it does illustrate how that um, as you walk in the light, then you begin to show love, even to people that have deeply hurt you. I mean, Elizabeth Elliot struggled with, with the death of her husband and, and Rachel Saint with the death of her brother and others, these wives. I mean, really, their life was turned upside down. But here's what they did. They just stayed in God's word and God's word showed them the way to love someone who hurt them deeply. And in turn, Minkaye began to love others, and, and uh, he and Steve Saint had a, a tremendous relationship. In fact, uh, Minkaye just passed away maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, somewhere right in there. Can you imagine the reunion in heaven with these men that he killed, bringing him the gospel, and now his life was forever changed and his eternity forever changed? The reason I hesitated to, to mention that is that seems so foreign and so far removed from where we live. You know, I mean, just in terms of, uh, of living here in Oklahoma City, I mean, we're not encountering, you know, people from that, that type of a, of a background. But here's, here's the thought that really struck me. The further that we as a culture get from God's word, the darker, the more violent. Can, can I use this word? The more savage our culture becomes. And, and really the greater the need even for love to be manifest. I'm talking about true, real love to be manifest in our day and time. I mean, the need has always been there, right? The need has always been there. Here we are getting ready to celebrate, uh, you know, Southwest Baptist Church, 71 years being right here on, on uh, virtually right here at 54th and Blackwelder. And I mean, this area has needed a, a lighthouse. This area has needed a, a church that would love sinners. That would love people that have come out of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction of every type. Hey, hey, listen, this has been that kind of a place throughout the years. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. But, but it would be safe, would it be safe to say that, that even now more than ever in, in terms of our culture, that a loving church family is needed on the scene? I'm not saying that it was not needed in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, etc. I'm not saying that it was not needed then, but in a culture now that is filled with hate, filled with animosity, filled with hostility, filled with, from several different angles, isn't it true that we're at a prime time to help people understand how to turn from hate to love? John is uh, dealing with this as he writes to the people there in, in those churches in Asia Minor. And, and he's really dealing with it, as we've, as we've seen, as we've ventured into this. He's dealing with uh, how that um, they claim to walk with God. They claim to be in fellowship with God. They claim to have truth. They, watch this. They claim to be enlightened, and yet they're walking in darkness. 
So he gives a test. So they make this claim. He gives the counterclaim. Then he gives the solution. We went through that in chapter number one. And now in chapter number two, he's really putting it to the test. And the first test he gives is that if you really have God in your life and you're walking with God and you're in fellowship with God, then it's going to be made manifest in your daily day obedience. But if you say that you are walking with God, but watch this, you're not walking with God. You're, you're not really obeying God. You're lying. You're confusing yourself and you're confusing others. So he gives them the obedience test, the morality test. Walking with God, friend, will have an impact on your life. The second test that he gives them is what we're looking at now and in these verses here. And it's, it's really this. It's a love test because, watch this, if, if we are in harmony with God, then we're going to be in harmony with one another. We're good, we're, this is going to be a loving church family. Now, again, I'm, I'm, our theme is love God's way. So you would expect that the pastor would preach on loving God's way in the church, right? We would expect that. We would want that, no doubt. And I, I'm not preaching this because we got a big old church split going on right now. And, and man, if we don't give attention to this, we're going we're gonna to lose people. Hey, I, I want to thank God that I don't know of any split that anybody's leading unless somebody's got an idea I don't know about. But look, if we don't stay in this book and we don't let this book stay in us, and if we don't walk in the light of God's, hang on, if we don't walk, in the light of his word, then we'll get off the path of love. And if we get off the path of love, then we'll begin to have contention and dissension and strife. So it's really quite simple because here's what I'd like to do. I mean, most of us won't be here in the next 70 years. Some of you younger ones will, but most of us won't be here in the next 70 years. That's kind of a morbid, staggering thought to think about here tonight. So glad you came to church, but 70 years, we won't be here. But I pray that should Jesus tarry his coming, that Southwest Baptist Church will still be known on the south side of Oklahoma City as a very loving church. Sinners can come here and they, they can be welcomed and they can be helped and they can be guided on the way and, and people can be, can be received just as they are, but love too much to leave them that way. How are we going to do that? Well, here, it's really quite simple. We've got to stay in the word, in the light of God's word. Okay, look, look at verse number seven again, if you would, please, with me. Let's just walk through these verses, and, and I, I think it'll begin to make very abundant sense to you. And it's very, very practical, very helpful. He says, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but, that which, but an old commandment, which I had from the beginning. What, what's he talking about right there? An old commandment. Well, Deuteronomy chapter six says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, right? I mean, all those, Deuteronomy six, five. So love, if you look it up, love's in the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament. Love God, love one another. Loving strangers is in the Old Testament. Loving immigrants is in the Old Testament. That's, that's what he's talking about in terms of loving strangers because he says, remember, you were an immigrant when you were down in Egypt. So love them. In fact, um, this verse is in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. Love others as you love yourself. That's, that is Old Testament. That's as old as Moses is. How are we doing? Isn't that right? He says, listen, I'm not writing anything new to you. It's not some new, it's not novel. It's not some novel idea. Now these, um, now, now we got to stay tied to the text right here because some of these uh, individuals that had left the church, the churches there, they were claiming to be 
higher intellectually. They were claiming to have more enlightenment. And, and so they were, they were trying to lead, lead Christians, believers, in a new and novel way. John says, look, I'm not trying to tell you anything new. I'm trying to tell you something old. I'm trying to tell you something that you already know, but that you need to be renewed in. Sometimes our need is not to learn something brand new, but sometimes our need is get renewed in something that's very old. Get renewed in something that is very old. So he says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. I'm writing an old commandment to you that you had at the beginning. Look at the last part of verse number seven. He says, the old commandment is the word, the word which we, which he heard from the beginning. Okay. So when, when did they, when did they get this new, I'm sorry. When did they get this old commandment to show love to one another? They got it at the beginning. What's the beginning? When they heard the gospel. When they got saved. When they were saved, when they were born again, then they were given the opportunity and obligation, watch this, and the empowerment to love one another. And thus, haters were turned to loving Christians. Prejudiced people were turned towards uh, people that loved all people, regardless of their race. Rich people were loving poor people. Poor people were loving rich people. All in God's church. People from Corinth were loving other people from Jerusalem and so forth. I mean, it, it was happening. Here's all I'm saying. The gospel still works. The gospel still works. The gospel, the gospel message still works today. I mean, uh, we can have it, you know, where you have, you have uh, things put on a t-shirt or you have it on the back of your football helmet or if you have it out there on the field. But here's really what America needs just to get back to something that's as old as the gospel is and let the Lord Jesus Christ begin to have a deep difference in a person's life. Then we'll begin to really love one another. Otherwise, it won't be true love. He says, I'm not, I'm not writing anything new to you. I'm writing something actually very old. Look at verse number eight now. And again, a new commandment I write into you. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said you weren't writing something new. Now you're saying you are writing something new. Well, in a sense, he is writing something new. Okay. He says, and again, now let me clarify. I'm writing a new commandment unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. True in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. That's verse number eight. Isn't that right? Okay. So he says, now here's the sense in which this is new. In the New Testament, I think it'd be easy to see. In fact, um, John Stott made reference to this, that in the New Testament, loving one another is given a whole new emphasis. You follow that? Is it in the old? It is in the old, but is it very abundant in the new? Oh yeah, it's, it's everywhere in the new. It's not saying it's not in the old, but I mean it is front and center in the new. Okay, also this, we're to love one another at a whole new level. What do you mean by that? Well, again, uh, he pointed out this. Love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now Jesus takes it to a whole nother level and he says this, love one another as I have loved you. Hello? That went, okay, wait a minute, I can't reach that high. The level of love just went to a brand new level. Is, that, is everybody getting this? 
It just went to a whole nother level because if I love you like I love myself, that's got a lot of fault in it. But if I'm supposed to love you and you're supposed to love me and we're supposed to love each other the way that Jesus loves us, loved us sacrificially, that's at a whole nother level, friend. And purely and, we're, and for the good of the other, not for the good of yourself, that's at a whole nother level. So he's saying it's, it's, at a, it's at a new emphasis. It's at a new level in that sense. It's also to a new extent because he, I mean, it is in the Old Testament in the sense that, you know, loving those that are strangers. But, but here, the racial boundaries, I mean, it, it is so abundantly emphasized in the New Testament that, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek, Scythian, barbarian, bond nor free. No, but all are in Christ. Hey, listen, he's saying this, set aside your differences because of love. Now, he's not saying set aside doctrine, and he's not saying set aside morality. But he is saying, listen, you're letting some things kind of set up some boundaries in your, in your life about who you love and who you don't love that really don't need to be there. In fact, Jesus, watch this. Hang on. We're still working on this a little bit. Jesus said this, I want you to love your enemies. It has been said, you know, that uh, you're to, you can, you can uh, hate your enemies. The Jews had that mentality that it's okay to hate a few people. He said, man, I'd like to be a Jew. no. You need to be a Christian. They had that mentality that it's okay. I mean, if somebody, you know, did you wrong, it's okay. Or they're a different nationality, it's okay. That was their mentality. But Jesus, when he came and preached the Sermon on the Mount, he said, listen, I'm telling you to love your enemies. So that's probably one of the reasons as to why that John is saying, listen, I'm not telling you anything brand new, but I am saying it's at a whole new level. And it certainly is to be emphasized in our day and time. And also you've got a brand new level of accountability because not only has he, listen, not only has God told you to do this, but he himself came to show you how to do this. It's one thing we're going to have the new members reception and, and brother David's going to help to get the tables set up. I think you're in charge of that. Is that right, brother David? Okay. Thank you. And so he's in charge of, you know, how the tables are going to be configured and how the chairs are going to be configured so that we can have, you know, the maximum amount of participation out there in the gym. And, and so he could tell others how to do that, but it, but it's different if he has a diagram and he lays it out there and says, okay, we need this and we need this and we need tables running this way. And, and we're going to have a flow of traffic in this way. If there's a diagram there, Listen, that's more than just the spoken word. That is a visual. Now you have a new level of accountability because now you can take a picture of it with your phone and see what it's supposed to look like and see if it did that once you get it done. When Jesus came to this old earth and he loved a woman that was taken in adultery and he said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. He showed us what it looks like to love somebody that is a sinner, a great sinner. And when he loved that woman that was there at the well and he went, when he loved Thomas and when he loved Peter and when he loved Matthew and we loved on and on and on and he went through all those people and he loved them despite their faults and their failures and their shortcomings, then listen, friend, he showed us how to love one another. He didn't just tell us to love one another. He showed us we have a level of accountability that is very high. Is this making sense? All this is right here. If we'll walk in it. All right, now let's go on to verse number nine. The dark, okay, verse eight, the darkness has passed. In other words, you, you've been saved from that kind of darkness. You don't live that kind of hateful life anymore. You don't live that kind of hateful life anymore. You, you, you ought to treat your wife differently now. Hey, this has got some relevance right here, doesn't it? 
You ought to treat your wife differently. You don't, don't treat her with disrespect and a lack of love, but now God has showed you how to love. Don't treat your parents with that disrespect. Don't treat your children and get mean and nasty towards them. Love the way that God told us to love, see. The darkness is past, the true light now shineth. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. That, that's what was going on. That's why he's dealing with this whole thing is because he's saying they say they're walking in dark in light and yet they hate. That's a very strong word. They detest, they abhor, they, they, um, they are in opposition, they're hostile towards. Now, how in the world can you be right with God and you're not right with the apostle John? I mean, I know John's a man, but still. Thank you, Brother John. Hey, uh, the apostle of love oftentimes. Um, look, if, if you've got a problem with John... You probably got a problem right here. And I'm not saying he's not without fault. I understand that. But, but wait a minute. To come in and say to other members, hey, we don't need to love him. You don't need to follow him. You need to follow me and lead a group of people out. That's not love. Not if he's a man of God. Again, he's not perfect. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I think everybody's following me right here. But, and I'm on firm biblical grounds. But to say that, that you love God and you're walking in the light and yet you hate that spiritual leader and you hate this congregation or that congregation. Listen, something is wrong somewhere. I said, preacher, why? I mean, where are you going with all this? Well, I mean, for... I realize, you know, the independent fundamental Baptists have a lot of problems, but for people to be haters, uh, man, that's pretty strong. You know, here's what all of us need to do. It's very simple. Stay right here in the word. And that'll teach us to love one another. And when something's wrong and we know about it, then we deal with it in the right way. We don't sweep it under the carpet. We deal with it in the right way. But just because somebody has standards doesn't mean that you hate them. Because really what might be happening is it's like how that darkness hated the light. You get what I'm saying? There's modern variants of this that take place to varying degrees. I'm not saying it's all the same, but I'm saying the spirit of it, the spirit of it, dear friend. Hang on, wait a minute. The spirit of it can, can come into all this if we're, if we're not really watching our steps. If, if, in fact, if, if we, if, in fact, any time, any time that, you know, here we are getting ready to celebrate, you know, 71 years. Would you imagine that within 71 years, we've had people that have left Southwest Baptist Church? The gall, right? The gall of the people, huh? Can you believe, I mean, now that would be a wrong spirit, wouldn't it? Every time I've sat down with somebody and they say, you know, pastor, I think we're going to be moving on to a different church. I, I mean, I, I talk to them and I, 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 try to, I try to encourage them. Hey, listen, we don't want to see you go. I mean, what kind of pastor would I be if I said, yeah, man, good. I, it's about time that you came. I was going to set up an appointment with you if you hadn't set up an appointment with me. That wouldn't be very loving. No, but I, I've tried to leave it in such a way that, listen, we love you. And there's only two valid reasons to change churches, and that's doctrine and that's philosophy of ministry, or three would be God's calling you to the mission field or somewhere else. That's three valid reasons. Otherwise, you ought to work stuff out. We ought to work stuff out. But here's where I've tried to leave it, and others have as well. I'm not just saying it's just the way that I've tried to deal with it. It's just been the Southwest way, which we found, guess where, in the book, that we don't, as people walk out the door, we don't slam it behind them. 
Don't come back. No, actually quite the opposite. I try to get across, you know, if God leads you back this way, we sure would love to see you come back. Thank God we've seen people come back. What do we do then? Love them. Yeah, but you know what they said. You know what they did? Hang on. Let's go back to the book. I realize there's the Facebook, but let's get back to this book. Huh? Is this making any sense now? Okay, let's get back to this book and let's see, let's see what God says and how to handle this. Because if, if I don't handle it like he's saying it, then I've shut, I've shut the light off and I'm walking in darkness. Okay, look at verse 10. We doing okay still? Hey, listen, I've been thinking about it all yesterday and all today. And I realize you've read it before, but this may, you know, this, this is like a lot to take in at one time. Just bear with me here just a minute. We're about to illustrate, and I think it's going to help us all once we get all of it kind of laid out here on the table. He that loveth his brother and abideth in the light. And there's none occasion of stumbling in him. He that loveth his brother. So is it safe to say that the evidence that John was looking for is that if you are loving your brother, brethren, sincerely, I realize somebody can be fake about it, you know. Uh, but I'm talking about sincerely loving your brother, those that are sincerely loving the brother like, like he's described here, Jesus' way, those that are in that path, it is evidence that they are walking in the light. They've been in the light of God's word and the time that they spend in the light of God's word has shed some light on some selfishness and maybe even some pride that they had to get out of their life or they, it, the light of God's word has shown them how to love somebody. I mean, there's a lot of people that you just like just because, right? But, but somebody said that, you know, love at first sight doesn't happen before breakfast. <laughs> right? I mean, listen, I mean, we got to love each other with all of our quirks. So the, the fact that there's love here is as some evidence that there's been some Bible readers in this church family. And if there's love in your family, then that's evidence that there's some Bible readers and Bible, not just Bible readers, listen, but Bible appliers in the family. If there's a, if there's a love relationship that's going on between a husband and a wife, then, then it's meaning this, that they, where, where did, where did they learn that? Hollywood? Where they learn that, Dr. Phil? Where they learn that, Oprah? Where they learn that, some other person that people follow? No, I tell you where they found it out. If they got a good, solid marriage, they got in the book and the book got in them and it shed some light on some things that needed to change and they got it right with God and now they love one another sincerely. And if there's a good relationship between parents and children, it's the same thing. They got in the same book. This is the book. God gave it to us. He's the author. So we can follow him. He shed some light on this. And, and if, if you have in a church, you've got different, ty- different colors of people that are black and white and, 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 and uh, different nationalities of Hispanic and African and, and Kentuckian and Texan and Oki and, and, and people from Georgia. I mean, all kinds of places. If we're all here in this one place, even in, in, in the midst of football season and we're actually getting along, somebody got in the book. And it's showing us how. 
And we're not stumbling around and hurting one another. Hey, listen, I just think all this is kind of working out providentially here because on Sunday morning, we were in Matthew chapter number 18 and Jesus said, listen, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Why? Because you might offend somebody. You might cause somebody to stumble. You might hurt yourself. So go ahead and do some self-amputation so you don't mess your life up. He's not talking about physically, but he's talking about spiritually. Listen, if you're doing something and God takes his word and he shows you that what you're doing is wrong and you're hurting yourself and you're hurting your family and you're hurting this church, then listen, you need to stop. Or if he shows you this, you know, your hand is not writing a tithe check anymore. Or your hand is not clicking that you're going to pay electronically. Or your hand's not dig- digging deep in your wallet and you're not giving. Or if your hand is not out knocking doors, if your hand's not reaching deep into your pocket to bring out a track, then listen, something's wrong and it's affecting the fellowship of the church family. If your hand is, and your feet are not working together and your eye is not working together to go across from the east side to the west side every now and then and shake hands with somebody, does everybody listen to this? Shake hands with somebody that you may not know, then listen, something's wrong with your hands, something's wrong with your feet, something's wrong with your eyes. <laughs> is that in the book? It's right there, isn't it? I didn't spend my whole day in vain, did I? Or yesterday trying to study this out and really get down to it. No, it's right there, isn't it? I didn't miss it. You see it. You saw it in, why did it take me a whole day and a half to get this? You got it in 34 minutes. Look at, look at verse, look at verse number 11. He, but he that hateth his brothers in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Why did Minkaye take that spear and run it through all those men? Because blindness was, was, darkness was blinding his eyes. He, he could not see. He could not see that Jim Elliott and Roger Udary and Ed McCall and Nate Saint and, 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 and Ed McCauley, he could not see. They could not see that they actually came to give them the greatest gift of all. They couldn't see that. Why are kids killing kids and, and running one another through with a knife or shooting one another down here in the streets of Oklahoma City? Because they can't see that God loves them. Why are, why are young people and middle-aged people mutilating themselves, even going through sexual changes that God didn't prescribe for them? Why are they cutting on themselves? Because they can't see. They can't see that God loves them just the way they are. And God made them just the way that they are. And God made them as a male to love a female and vice versa. Hey, listen, why, why is all this going on? It's because people are walking in darkness and they need the light of God's word to shine through. And how, dear friends, how is God's light going to shine through? It's got to shine through through people that know him and that walk in the light and that love one another regardless of what everybody's done. Man, this is how it works. This is New Testament Christianity 101. It's no wonder people stumble around, though, if they're in darkness. Let me ask Brother Andrew to help me. We worked on this a little bit. Andrew Albert. Okay, he's going to represent somebody that's lost first. Okay, now here's what's going to happen. I'm telling you up front so nobody panic. Nobody panic. We're not under attack. Nothing weird's going on. Those of you on live stream, we're A-OK. 
Okay, we've informed the security that we're doing this. I mean, this is the day and age in which we have to communicate. We had to stop and think about now, who all do we need to tell about this? We told the deaf ministry because they got to have a light for sign language. We told everybody about the nursery, what's going on. So anyways. (laughs) All right. Before you were saved, before I was saved, we were walking in darkness. So we're going to cut the lights. And Brother Andrew, after the lights go down, I want you to come up on the platform. Come on up, Brother Andrew. How you doing, man? <laughs> Come to my voice. <laughs> Andrew, uh, go have a seat on the chair and find page 602, Led in Paths of Light. Trying to walk in the steps, of, stepping in the light. How we doing? <laughs> Once you found 602, then uh, this flower arrangement right here near the edge needs a little bit of adjustment. Can you do that? And just come on, Brother Andrew. And <laughs> Brother Andrew? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's forget about that. Let's just go and, and uh, do a little bit of adjustment on the... Now, watch yourself. <laughs> you know what he's doing right now? He's stumbling around because he can't see. But then the light of the gospel came, Brother Seth. The light of the gospel comes. That's a lot better. Now find page 602 if you can. The Bible says that he that loveth abideth in the light. When I, when I, understood, when I got that, it was, it was really eye-opening that he that loveth abideth in the light. That, that means this, wherever he goes. So Brother Andrew, walk over that way. Wherever he goes, the light follows him. Now, I realize that there are times in the Bible. Okay, that's good. I realize that there are times in the, hey, you know what? He brought pretty good confidence, well, really good confidence over there towards the edge. You know why? Because he could see. In that new set of circumstances that he's in over there, he can see. He can see right now. And I realize that there are parts of the Bible that talk about how God leads us by his light. But, but 1 John 2.10 says, He that loveth abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. So wherever Brother Andrew goes, here, let me give you my Bible here, and we'll trade out the song book for the Bible. All right? So every set of circumstances, maybe Brother Andrew, just make your way over to the uh, piano. Okay? Not, please don't play it. <laughs> and definitely don't start singing. But... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brother Andrew, you sing well? No. Okay, yeah. Right. Well, we won't do a duet here then. But did you watch what happened? Watch this. Here's what I'm trying to get across. Wherever he goes, in whatever situation he finds himself in, in that situation, as he's in the Word, if you open the Word and get into it, as he's in the Word, he'll find light right there. Okay, let's say he goes down in the valley, if you just kind of come down the steps to represent this. Now he's going through a trial, but watch what happens even as he does. He, he's trying to love the Lord. He's trying to love one another. He's loving his fellow church members. Okay, stop right there. As he's trying to do that, he's in the valley now, but watch what happened. He's in a new set of circumstances. He's not like he was over here when he was, well, hang on, wait a minute, this is getting good right here. He's not over there just singing about how that God's with him and how God loves him, but now he's down in the valley and he's experiencing it. And right where he is right here, right now, the light of God's word is shining on him as he's in the word. And 
And listen, he's still loving God in the midst of that trial. And he's still able to love his church members. And, and even though maybe he got out a little bit, and, but he's back in now. And he's not going to get upset and mad at those church members because they called him or text him or try to get him back in church. Because they know that he needs to know the love of God in the midst of this trial. And they got him back where he needed to be. Are you following with me right here? Whatever circumstance. How about maybe giving a track to the person about the fourth row or so. Can you do that? Through the light of God's word, he's able to do ministry. One, two, three, and four. Yep, right there. Isn't that good? So he just saw one saved. Go ahead and baptize him now. And so, no, I'm just kidding. Let's not, let's not do that. Is this making sense? And while we live in this dark world, while we live in this world of darkness, you've got to walk in the light of his word. The world, needs, the world wants more and the world needs more love. But they're trying to get it apart from God, who's the author of love, who is love. And so the greater the hate in the world, the greater the need for light. Because if we get in the light, then we'll see clearly how to love one another. And then there'll be real love there. And we're always going to need to be in the word. You're always going to need to be in church because we live in a world that's in darkness. But, you know, even a believer might, he's not going to lose his salvation. But, Brother Andrew, let me just take the word. And why don't you just, uh, you leave the light. Brother Seth, if you leave the light right here where it is. And he leaves the fellowship and he goes off somewhere in the darkness. You know, believers do that. They don't lose their salvation. But over there, he can't, where yet? Over there, <laughs> he can't, he can't see like he can see here. You say, well, he can see enough to kind of function. But I'm telling you, over there, his finances get self-centered. And he, he, may actually be, he may actually be prospering financially, but he's not tithing over there, and he's out of the light of God's Word. Because just because you get out of God's will doesn't mean that God's going to get you right then. Are you listening to me? Sometimes you prosper outside of God's will, and that's still bad. And, and he, his family is going to have to go on. He's going to have to pay bills. He's going to have to take them to school. He's going to have to function. He's going to do all that. But watch this. Without walking with God, he walks without light. Without walking in the light, he walks without love. And I'm not going to be surprised when he has marriage problems. And I'm not going to be surprised when he's got problems with his kids. And I'm not going to be surprised when he's got problems at work. You know why? Because he got out of the word and thus he got out of love with God and one another. And it's no wonder he is where he is. And what he needs is somebody that will just go, and I'll just represent that the extra mile, somebody that is walking in light to come and get him and say, what in the world are you doing over here? Come on back in the church, and let's have a celebration Sunday and move ahead, and you get things right with God and, and move on in your life. Is this making sense? Yeah. We need that kind of love. And, and we need that kind of light until, let's have the lights come up, until, get ready, until the day dawn. And really, there's no more need for that light. Because eventually we'll be in heaven and be able to see everything clearly. And see that that trial God used to help me. And see that, you know, your parents loved you after all. (laughs) And they knew what they were talking about. Most of the time. (laughs) As long as they were in the Word, they did. Does this make sense? We've got to stay in the Word. Because that brings us to the light. Staying in the light helps us love one another. Helping us love one another helps us stay together as a church family as well as families. So that then hate is replaced with love when the light, when the darkness is past. And people like Menkaye or some gangster out here or some hateful person that you work with is forever changed by the light of God's Word. Let's stand together here tonight. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Sure appreciate it. Thanks, Brother Seth.
Love, genuine, Christ-like love, gives evidence, gives evidence that people are walking in the light. If you flip this around, it also has solution to it. Because if you're lacking in love for someone, let's say there's somebody that you're having a hard time forgiving. Let's say there's somebody that you're having a hard time getting along with. Okay, let's just say it this way. There's somebody you're having a hard time loving. Then what do you do? You say, well, I need to love them more. That's true. But can you muster that up? Can you work that up? Humanly speaking, we can't. So what do you do? Get in the Word, which is the light. It'll help you love. It works that way. Father, thank you. Uh, the study of your word, it does, it brings light. It helps us to see where we've been selfish, where we've been wrong, where we've been proud. It sheds some light on why relationships are hurting. It sheds some light on why our society is in such chaos. God, it certainly will help our church family be close. Help us, God, to walk in the light as you're in the light. I thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're singing tonight, page 251, Jesus is calling. If you needed the message tonight, God spoke to you in a specific way, please come as Brother Aaron leads us.